Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome. We are glad you've joined us today as Walt and I prepare each week's lesson. You know, we study and we pray. We spend time talking through the key passage. But ultimately, it's just such a privilege for us to look at God's Word with you and to share biblical insights and then to present opportunities of how each of us might apply His Word to our hearts and minds. You know, this life journey that all of us are on often will bring us face-to-face with difficult people, even cruel people. And we saw that last time when we met a man named Saul. You know, he's a leading Pharisee in Jerusalem. We see him in Acts 7, in Acts 8. He is zealous for the law. He was persecuting men and women who were following after Jesus. He was determined that this new message would not spread any further into Judaism. Well, today we want to begin in Acts chapter 9 with this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he in fact went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, that's new believers, Christians, the church, men or women, he would bind them and he would bring them back to Jerusalem. And if you want to say something about this man, Saul, he was determined. He was a zealous man, the text says, and he worked hard to keep the people focused in on the law. He believed he was doing God's work. And the text continues, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. This road that Saul traveled on from Jerusalem, Damascus, it's called the Via Maris. It's the way by the sea. And this road connected Egypt with Asia Minor and then Europe eventually. And in fact, today, the the road to Damascus experience, that phrase is known as a, a time of a major shift in your life or a major change, a conversion in a person's life. It, it's a dramatic scene that that is used as a descriptor of our dramatic scenes. And as it unfolds, suddenly a light from heaven shone round about Saul. And it's this light, this is the Shekinah glory of God that we see in the Exodus, that we see in with the angels in Luke 2. And falling to the ground, Saul heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And rabbinical tradition that Saul was taught that the, this was the voice of God speaking directly to him. And Saul knew this, so he said this, Who are you, Lord? He's, he's wanting to know, who, who are you, Lord? Is this one of the Lord's angels? Is this one of the Lord's servants? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Wow. Yeah, this reply had to astound Saul, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. He had started on this journey from Jerusalem 
traveling north to Damascus in order to do what he believed, well, what you said, he believed he was doing God's work. And here comes this voice, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He was trying to stop the spread of the good news of Jesus. And here, as he's on his way, Jesus approaches him. The bright light, the voice from heaven, it brought Saul to his knees. The message he heard contradicted the mission he had set out to accomplish. Listen again. The message he heard contradicted the mission he had set out to accomplish. Saul was instructed, rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. And you know, the men traveling with him. What what they have done. done. Exactly. On the road to Damascus, they stood speechless. They heard the voice, but they could not see anyone. They heard it. They didn't understand what was happening. And as Saul stood up from the ground where he had fallen, although his eyes were open, he couldn't see anything. And so those with him, they led him by the hand and they brought him into Damascus. And then for three days, Saul could not see. He would not eat or drink anything, but rather he was waiting and praying. Meanwhile, sometime during these three days, the Lord speaks to one of his other disciples, Ananias in a vision, a disciple living in Damascus. Ananias, he answered, and Ananias says, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go out to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, a man you will look for there, Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And just a a quick head to heart here, Brenda, we we were talking about this. Even in the midst of Saul's confusion, I mean, in, in the midst, he can't see, he doesn't know what's happening. Saul knew that he needed to wait, and he needed to pray. And that's such a good example for each of us during times of confusion or uncertainty. We're not sure what we should do. Wait on the Lord and pray. Cry out to him and seek his guidance and direction. Well, Ananias was told, Saul had a vision of you coming and laying hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias at this point should say, yes, sir, I'm off to see Saul. But instead, he seems to need to remind the Lord. It's like, yeah. It's yeah. like hey, Lord, do you, you, <laughs> do you do remember? remember? <laughs> yeah, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. Do you remember that, God? Now he's come to Damascus and has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. And, and this is kind of remembering, but the Lord doesn't need to be reminded. He has a plan. And again, I say that again, the Lord doesn't need to be reminded. He has a plan and he'll bring it about. And he said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him, Saul, how much he must suffer for the sake of of my name. You know, God's plan here looks very different from anything we could dream up or envision. Um, this persecutor of the of the faith, Saul, is now a chosen instrument of God. And that whole that phrase instrument, it's a it's used of pottery, um, used for the purpose of the owner, 
But in this case, this is an, an empty vessel that's going to be used for the purpose of God. And in the future, Saul will suffer for the sake of the Lord's name, just as Saul had brought suffering into the lives of many other believers already. Yeah, and God certainly did have a plan. I love that idea that Saul is a chosen instrument of God. And after Ananias had this conversation with the Lord, he he actually did what the Lord asked him to do. Uh, He had to have a little bit of a, a talk there. But they went to the street of Straight, and he entered into the house where Saul was staying Ananias laid his hands on on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, he has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately the scales fell from his eyes and Saul could see once again. Well, Saul rose and he was baptized He ate food and was strengthened, and then he spent a number of days with the disciples at Damascus. You know, here's some summary thoughts. Saul was struck blind there on the road to Damascus, and then after three days, his eyes were opened. His entire life was changed. The purpose of his journey was rerouted, and he was now called to be a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, a chosen vessel, a chosen instrument. Well, first of all, Saul accepted a kind touch. Ananias laid his hands on Saul. And if we think about it, it's not always easy to touch a person we don't trust or we believe might hurt us, but a kind touch can build a bridge between two people. And then next, Saul received kind words. Ananias called Saul his brother, brother Saul, and he told him, the Lord has sent me to restore your sight. Kind words. And then finally, Saul experienced kind actions. You know, after Saul's baptism, he ate food and then spent days with the disciples in Damascus. That's Christian fellowship, and it's such a blessing when we gather and we share with one another. You know, this reminds me of the verses in Acts 2. All who believed were together. They were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And what happened? The Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And Saul's life continued to change as he spent time with the disciples there in Damascus. Saul proclaimed, and I love this in the text, he proclaimed, Jesus is the Son of God in the various synagogues of Damascus, a major city that would have had a number of synagogues. And all who heard him were amazed. And they said, isn't this the man who persecuted those in Jerusalem who believed on the name of Jesus? And he came here for the same purpose, to persecute those who are living in the name of Jesus and to bind them and to bring them before the chief priests. But Saul's preaching became more 
and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus could refute his proofs, proofs from the Old Testament of which he was a scholar. He preached that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And even today, Jews are looking for the Messiah. But, but they want their understanding of Messiah is that he's a conquering king who will set all things right and will bring in God's everlasting kingdom. And that's true. The Messiah is that conquering king who will take up the throne of David. That's all true. But he's also a suffering servant. The, the suffering servant of Isaiah's prophecy in chapters 52 and 53, where it says that he must die an atoning death which sprinkles the nations clean, that upon whom the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all, he, he's going to be a sacrificial lamb, and he is able to cover the, the sins of the whole world. It's important to note here that his death is sufficient. He is able to cover everyone's sin. However, it is only efficient for those who place their faith their personal belief in Christ alone. And even as we were talking, I was reminded of July 13th, 1978. I was sitting in my dorm room at Penn State after having had a fight with another guy at the IM building. And I remember um, my life was spinning out of control. I, I just was not living well, and it was just getting more and more out of control. And I sat there, and I'd almost killed this guy, and I opened the curtains, and I looked out at the mountains there at State College, and I sat on my bed, and I cried out, God, Allah, Buddha, whoever you are, because I was searching and reading all different religions and trying to figure out what, what does it really look like to be in, in a place where you're right with God. And I said, if you make yourself known to me, then I will just dedicate the rest of my life to serving you. And I'm sitting there saying, okay, now what I do? And I said, I said I, out loud, I said, you don't have to write this in heaven, but you need to show me how I can, I can be right with you, and I need to know it for sure. And with that, I heard this. And there was a knock at my door, and I opened the door, and there was, stood there a guy I'd never seen before. And he says, hi, I'm Keith Hughes. I'm involved with a student Christian organization called The Navigators. And he said, would you be interested in taking a spiritual interest survey, the purpose of which was to find out if I was trusting in Christ or if I was just trying to be good enough. And that very evening, that changed my life. And my path was redirected by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, whenever I hear your testimony, and that is a very short, quick version of it, because it is obvious that you were in the right place that night and God did send that man Keith Hughes to your door and I'm so very thankful that you believed in Jesus as your personal savior. Well, let's go back to Acts 9. Saul has encountered Jesus. He had to proclaim the name of Jesus in Damascus. This was now his savior. And this made the Jews angry. And so they plotted to kill him. Their plot was to put him to death. And so the Jews were watching the gates day and night. And Saul became aware of this plot. And so he talked with the other disciples in Damascus. 
and they came up with a plan. They actually took him by night. They put him in a very large basket. They let him down through an opening in the Damascus wall, lowering him in this basket. Don't think of a little picnic basket, (laughs) right? But instead, this is a very large basket used to haul grain from the fields into the city. And you know, as Saul had become a believer, he was one prior in his early life had persecuted those who were Christians and was dragging them off to put them in prison, even to take their lives. And now Saul himself had Jews after him who sought to take his life. This is the first time since Saul's dramatic conversion, that he has had to flee for his safety, for his very life. But it will not be the last time. It sure won't. And as Saul flees from Damascus, he returns to Jerusalem, where he attempts to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. And then enter the scene a man named Barnabas who took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how God had used him. On the road to Damascus, he'd seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he'd preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And after this witness of Barnabas, Saul went in and out among the disciples, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Every time we see Barnabas in Scripture, he's going to be encouraging believers. And that makes perfect sense, because literally, his name means Bar, son of, and the rest, Rabbah, um, the thing, son of encouragement, the son of encouragement. And, and this leads me to remember, hey, Walt, are you looking regularly for ways to encourage fellow believers? Am I looking regularly? I, I, and it doesn't have to be a time where I'm spending a, a, a huge amount of money. It can be um, writing a note or inviting them to your house for coffee or tea or meeting them someplace for coffee and tea. It's just a kind word, a compliment to show them that you appreciate them for all their natural abilities and gifts and, and the gifts that God has given them that they need to use for the betterment of the body of Christ. I love that head to heart, Walt, because it ties beautifully into those three points we shared earlier. Kindness, a kind touch, kind words, kind actions. And so we close with this thought today. Can you find ways to extend kindness to others through touch, through words, through actions in the coming days and weeks? You know, as each of us live in a gentle and kind manner toward one another, we will go grow stronger. We will grow and be stronger in our personal walk with God. We invite you to listen to this week's song, The God Who Stays. See the link in our show notes, and we hope that you will join us once again next week. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.